Good morning. My name is Michael London and I serve as one of the evangelists here with the City Ministry of the Chicago Church of Christ. It is great to be together this morning and I know that we have we're, we're starting to get back together where we're meeting in person and lo and behold we, here it is we got a video. Well we will be back together next week so don't worry but it is still great uh, to be together uh, this morning. And so what we have we been talking about this year? We've been talking about Jesus in action, right? And so we're not just examining Jesus' actions, but we have the intention to imitate his actions in our lives that we have been equipped and called to imitate. And so we will explore this morning, Luke chapter seven, verse 18 through 35, but we will read it in its entirety. But before we read there, I, I want to ask you a question. If you were a first century Jew under the Roman Empire, and you were a hearer of John the Baptist's message about the coming Messiah, what type of savior might you be expecting? Let's take a glance at some of the wording in John's message to get context to our passage for today, Luke chapter 7, verse 18 through 35. John, as we know, John was the voice or a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. He was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 43 through 5 and, and Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. In Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He continues on and says, the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John's message was powerful and convicting. And according to Luke chapter three, verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly and all were wondering in their hearts, if John might be the Messiah. Now, John answered their inquiries about him being the Messiah, telling them that he was not. But let's continue to review some of his language. In Luke chapter three, verses 16 through 17, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who was more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. So what have we heard thus far? John talked about the coming wrath. He mentioned that the axe is ready to cut down. 
those 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 branches that weren't producing good fruit, they would be thrown into the fire. He talked about that as powerful as he was, as, as powerful as his message was, he says, there's somebody that's more powerful than me. Now remember, even some of his, his hearers thought he might be the Messiah. He said that the one that's more powerful than him coming after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said that he would clear his threshing floor. He would burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. So I ask you again, if you're a first century Jew under Roman Empire, which we know historians tell us most Jews didn't care for the Romans. And you are a hearer of John the Baptist's message about the coming Messiah. What type of savior or, or ruler might you be expecting? So think about that as we go through our passage this morning. So if you will, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, and we'll begin reading in verses 18 through 35. It says, John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the, in the law rejected God's purposes for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. 
For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. So why did John ask his disciples if Jesus was the Messiah? Well, let's, let's get a little context here again. John is in prison at this point because he had been telling Herod the Tetrarch. Tetrarch was a ruler with rank and authority, lower than of a king, ruled with approval by Roman authorities. But John had been telling Herod that it is not lawful for him to have uh, Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And so in prison, John had been hearing about Jesus and his ministry. And so, as we read, John sent his disciples to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? You know, what John had been hearing wasn't meeting his expectations of the Messiah, which he was preparing the people for. Now, we know from scriptures that John had declared that Jesus was the one, right? Consider John 1 verse 29 when he says, the next day, this is after Jesus was baptized, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. After John had been baptized, Jesus said again, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John 1, verse 34. In John 1, 35 to 36, it goes on to say again, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So now you wonder, well, wait a minute. Here it is, John is in prison and he sends two of his messengers, two of his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we expect someone else? You know, we can't underestimate a discouraging situation, a challenging situation. We go, here it is, how could, how could John go from declaring that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, testifying that God, that Jesus is God's chosen one, to going to, are you the one or should we expect someone else? We know that even John has said, God told him how he would recognize the chosen one by seeing the Holy Spirit remain over him. John 1 verse 33. But John was in prison, likely discouraged. His circumstances impacted his faith more than he realized. He had been hearing about what Jesus had been doing. And you would think, man, he would be excited. But again, what we talked about before, 
to kind of set the, the stage for this. What had John been preaching? John was preaching a powerful message. He was talking about repentance. He was talking about people needed to change. He was talking about the one who was to come is going to come with an unquenchable fire. He was going to clear his threshing floor. He was more powerful than John himself. And when the people heard John, they thought he may be the Messiah. But when you, what exactly did John hear about Jesus's ministry? What was going on that made him question, is this the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? What Jesus was doing, his ministry, the people he was engaging, the people he was spending time with, the message that he was preaching, it just, it just didn't meet John's expectations of who the Messiah was going to be. And so let's look at Jesus's response back to John to give us insight on the type of ministry that Jesus had. He says, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Look who Jesus ministry was. Look who Jesus was spending his time with. Look who Jesus was preaching to. You know, if we consider the words of the prophet Isaiah, the same prophet that, that prophesied about John being a voice in the desert, look what he says in regards to the day when the Lord would visit his people. Isaiah 29, verse 18 through 19 says, In that day, the death will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Let's continue on in Isaiah 35, verse 5 through 6. It says, then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. When you look at Jesus's ministry, when you look at Jesus, what do you see? Is he what you expected to see. See, Jesus, his ministry was fulfilling the purpose in which he was to come. Jesus was spending time, and look at the type of people that he was spending time with, the people he was healing. The people These were, in those days, these were the underclass, the marginalized, those who were treated as insignificant. 
Many of those who had these diseases were considered to be cursed by God. And here it is, Jesus is spending his time with these people, preaching to them, being a friend to them. If Jesus was to come in our day, who do you think he would spend time with? Who do you think he would be around? Do you think he would be around all the those who are high society? Those who are popular? I'm sure he would spend some time with them. Do you think that he wouldn't be around those who are marginalized? Treated as less than nothing? The unpopular? I think so. You know, I had to think about John's situation. You know, he's in a he's in a he's in a bad situation. I mean, he was in prison. So it made me think about does does your view, does our view of Jesus get changed or get distorted when we're in a a challenging situation? John's did. I wonder if 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 John had pondered on the words that we had read before on Isaiah 29 about the deaf, the blind, the lame, I wonder instead of questioning who Jesus really was, when well, he had already made these professions that that Jesus is the chosen one. That he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, sin of the world. I wonder if he had pondered on those passages. How encouraged he would have been. Not that it would have changed the situation. But that he would have been more encouraged about caring about the, the ministry of Jesus. And so it made me think about as a disciple of Jesus. How would others describe my ministry? How would others describe your ministry if you're a disciple of Jesus? As a disciple of Jesus, are you speaking about how the eyes of the blind can be opened? The ears of the deaf can be unstopped. The spiritually diseased are cleansed. The humble will rejoice when they're with Jesus. Do the spiritual poor hear good news? from you you know in the gospel of John it says that for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ John 1 verse 17 the new American standard translation says it this way grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ grace and truth were ultimately expressed in the person of of Jesus Christ when the word became flesh you know this word grace in one sense means a beneficial disposition towards someone favor compassion care help and goodwill was that not what Jesus was doing that he was 
giving favor. He had compassion. He had care. He was helping people. He was doing goodwill towards people. Was that not Jesus' ministry? Look who he was, look who he was spending his time with. He was spending time with the people, as Jesus says, that it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. That's Jesus' ministry. Spending time with those not only who were physically in need, but ultimately who were spiritually in need. And let's, let's just be clear about this. Even scripture says Jesus first came to his own. In one sense, yeah, he came to his own, those who he, he created, but to his own, his own people. The Jews. The nation of Israel. He was coming to them. You know, there was a time when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And we know that, I believe it was Peter declared that, hey, he was the, he's, he's the son of God. But I ask you today, not who Jesus is, but already knowing that Jesus is the son of God. Who do you think Jesus would minister to? Is he not coming to those who are spiritually sick? Would he not bring the good news, spend time with those who others would reject? Who others would look down on? Who others would just flat out to judge? We know even Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. I came to save. I came to heal. I came to open up your eyes so that you could see. I came to unstop your ears so that you can hear. And we know that Jesus didn't just preach at people, but he got involved. He got engaged. He served. He cared for them. As a disciple as a disciple of Jesus, would you give grace and be compassionate towards the same people that Jesus would be compassionate to? And I don't say that to say that you're not. But I think always, always keeping it at the forefront of our minds and our hearts about the type of ministry that Jesus had and as disciples of Jesus, we are called to imitate that. I want us to think about this term grace and this term truth and this was Jesus's ministry. This was the makeup of not only who he, who he is, but how he treated people. He treated them, showing them compassion and mercy and goodwill. And I want us to think about how, how powerful grace can be and how it can impact those we show it to.
consider verse 29. It says, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. Isn't that the, isn't that the end game though? It's not about us. It's not about, it's about, we show grace and kindness to people with the hope that they, I, they realize that God's way is right. That's the hope. Now, grace doesn't force that. But think about how the impact of being compassionate and showing goodwill to our fellow man, those who are spiritually in need, how that can have an impact on them saying God's way is right. Consider these words. Again, I go back to the prophet Isaiah. Consider Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. We know that Jesus was the revelation of God. He epitomized and embodied grace and mercy because God is grace and mercy. And as the son of God, he was then and is now the exact representation of God's being. But isn't that God though? Grace and mercy? And I wonder... If that's what John heard about, and he began, and because of his situation, he began to think, you really the one that I had said, or should I expect someone else? Because of his own situation, he began to not associate the ministry of Jesus and this grace and what he had been showing and what he had been teaching and begin to question, maybe I got it wrong. No, it's not that Jesus isn't who the scripture says he is. But maybe you got to go back. And you got to ponder on passages such as these. That this is what, this is what Jesus was fulfilling. Consider verse 3. It says, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law... These are, what does that mean? They would have known these passages. At least they should have. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. What was God's purpose for them? God coming to his people for them to acknowledge that their ways before God was not right. And so I, if you just acknowledge that, if you turn back to me in relationship, Carrie talked about that last Sunday. If you turn back to me in relationship, it is here you'll find mercy. It is here you will find forgiveness. 
It is here you'll find compassion and grace and goodwill and care and help. It is here you'll find the one who can deliver you. You know, grace, mercy, compassion, favor, goodwill aren't given because the one who gives it will receive the desired outcome from those he gives it to. It's given regardless. Think about that, right? Think about it for a moment. And, you know, I, I think about when Jesus uh, healed the 10 lepers. Right. But only one returns. He says, wasn't it 10 of you? It's not like Jesus zapped the other nine and said, well, I'm pulling that back. That was goodwill. They needed that healing. They needed that healing. They were sick. But only one returned with gratitude. But Jesus didn't zap the other nine from a distance and go, well, I'm just going to pull that back. That's not grace. I think about when Jesus talked about how it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Both the righteous and the unrighteous are benefiting from God's goodwill. I say this jokingly all the time about that passage. It's not like the sun is just all over the righteous people, uh, right? And, 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 all the unrighteous people got clouds and darkness over them. No, we're all under the same sun. We're all under the same clouds of rain and we're benefiting from God's goodwill, from God's help, from God's care. From God's compassion. And God does that in hopes that men will reach out for him. But giving grace doesn't, doesn't mean that it's going to force them to. And this is Jesus's ministry. You know, the Pharisees heard the exact words everyone else did. And many times, because they were they were following Jesus around just like the other, the other people were. And they saw many of the miracles that Jesus did in the hopes that Jesus did these miracles so that people would know that God had sent him. That he was the one that was fulfilling the scriptures that the teachers of the law, the experts in the law, should have known, should have seen, should have put two and two together and go, wait a minute. The prophets are saying this is what's going to be done. This is what this guy is doing. But they didn't respond. And here's the thing. In our ministries, as we imitate Jesus, giving grace, giving mercy, compassion, goodwill, care, and help to those who need it, doesn't mean all of them are going to respond. And it doesn't mean that we give up being graceful and showing goodwill towards our fellow man. I believe it's, as I see in the scriptures, and I believe John was right 
the axe is ready to cut down every tree that does not bear good fruit with repentance. You know what? God will sort all of that out. God is the judge. God will deal with those who have trampled his grace underfoot. I, but that doesn't mean we give up on giving it. We don't have to resort to doing what God will do. Let God do what he's going to do. To those who don't respond. But let us, let our, let our ministries be filled with how Jesus came. Let our ministries be towards those, the same type of people that Jesus spent time with. Let us spend time with those types of people. Let that be the makeup of our ministry. And I know it's challenging because I look and I have to deal with my own inwardness and think, and it's a lot dealing with those type of people. It's a lot. Not all of them are going to be thankful. You know, I think about <laughs> when Jesus said they wanted to force him to be king. You don't want me to be king because you, you, you following me because I fed you. They were following Jesus, not because he was right, because he was the one, because they ate. How selfish is that? But, but Jesus didn't decide to go, well, I'm just not going to feed nobody no more. I'm not going to do goodwill. I'm not going to be graceful. I'm not going to help people because they take advantage of it. That's who God is. That's who Jesus is. That's what grace is. And I know we know what it's like to receive that. And if we're a disciple of Jesus or you're studying the Bible to think about being a disciple of Jesus, understand that's what God is giving you. And so therefore, let that be the makeup of our ministry. And so as I bring this to a close, so what can we imitate? We can compassionately interact with others and show them that Jesus is the truth. We can engage those who are spiritually blind, those who spiritually can't walk, and we can walk with them. We can help those who are sick and dead spiritually and lead them to Jesus who is full of mercy and truth. We can proclaim the good news to the poor in word and in deed. We can give compassion in a way that benefit those we offer it in the hope that it leads them to God, leaving them with the opportunity and decision to follow Jesus of the scriptures or not. Grace doesn't force the outcome. And so our mercy, forgiveness, grace, and truth attributes in your ministry to others. They sure seem to be a part of God's ministry. They sure seem to be a part of Jesus' ministry. And would you expect anything less in the ministry of Jesus? Should others expect anything less in our ministry as disciples of Jesus? Shouldn't we minister to each other with mercy, 
grace, forgiveness, and truth? If you're not a Christian, I hope this lesson is the beginning of you seeing Jesus and his ministry. I hope you see that no one is so far gone that mercy and grace of God can't reach them. May we commit to the work and the heart it will take as ministers of Jesus to be this way. Thank you so much for joining us for worship this morning. I hope you have great times in your groups this morning. Have some discussion about this topic. Have some discussion about what it will look like in your ministry to give grace, goodwill, care, and help. Talk about what would it look like for you to help the spiritual blind to see? What would it look like for you to help the spiritual lame to walk? What would it look like for you to help the spiritual leper to be cleansed? Let's, let's talk about how we're going to imitate the ministry of Jesus. I love you guys. Thank you so much again for worshiping with us today. I look forward to seeing you guys live and in action next Sunday. Have a great week and I'll see you soon.